Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And welcome to Security and Skill, the podcast that I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seafoot, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. there we're coming up to episode 100 thank you thank you thank you and you'll if you're a fan of security and skill podcast and you've left a review on itunes you've left a five star rating and you've gone onto instagram and liked security and skill podcast page you will know that i love a good novel i love a good novel and the beauty of my podcast is it's mine all mine and it means that i can speak to people that i just am so infatuated by people that i respect in the industry and then it comes to novelists and i love showing you the people who write the most amazing books who I want you to read their books from. And it includes my guest this week. She wrote The Shelf last year. Well, she wrote it a couple of years ago, but it came out last year. The One of the most amazing books I ever read, set in a Big Brother-style house of a leading lady called Amy who just oozed with confidence. Then she releases this year, The Couple, another book with a main star called Millie, which is all about this pill. And this pill can stop you falling in love with someone. Just imagine the fact that there's someone you're infatuated by, you know it's not unrequainted, and then you just can stop being in love with them. How easy life would be. I'm delighted to say joining me on Skid Skid this week is my brilliant guest. It's Helly Acton. Hello, Helly. Hello, Johnny. So lovely to be here. Oh, stop it, you. Um, like, right. Let's go straight down to business. You are one of the best authors at the moment. And what I love is that it's very hard. When I get I get sent books day in, day out, and every day I get two Amazon orders of books that have been sent to me. And so I can't read every single book. And there are the authors that I absolutely love and that I know, and they've got like over 10 novels. And then you come in, you slide through my door, Heli Acton, the shelf comes out. And I'm like, right, I need to read this. And then I got an email to say, you've got the couple coming out. And I went, yes, Heli's got a second book. I need it right now. You've straight away gone to my top five novelist, just like that. You're too kind. Thank you so much. That's super generous of you to say. And I am sitting here blushing hard. Well, this is the, but it is a, it's a very, very, very populated market novels. It's very hard to cut through and you just managed to do it. 
That's right. And I, I honestly, um, I feel like such a novice um, of a novelist. And I don't, I still sometimes, I'm sitting here at my desk and I look at the couple and I look at the shelf on the desk here with me and I think, has this actually happened to me? Like, I can't quite believe it. Um, I never thought it would. It was just uh, when I first started writing and I approached some agents, I, I thought it would just go the usual you know, either no response or um, not quite right for us. I just thought I'd give it a go. And um, I did because, you know, I'd, I'd written part of the shelf and I thought, why not? I've, I've written this much, so I might as well see if it does something. Um, and it all happened. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's such a cliche and I'm cringe to say it, but I sometimes do pinch myself a bit and think, God, I can't believe I've got a couple of books out. It's totally mad to me. I absolutely love it, absolutely love it. And before that, you were travelling around the world and being an author wasn't just something that you were born with. It wasn't something that you thought, right, I'm just going to just be an author and that's my career set. You had a career before you became an author. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've, I've always loved books. I loved books when I was a kid. But, you know, being an author was something that other people did. I never thought that I would be an author. I didn't think I, I could write. I, I knew I had stories in my head, but I never thought I would actually get them down on paper. And so before I started writing The Shelf, I was a copywriter in advertising. So I was coming up with stories for television adverts, you know, where you've got a maximum of one minute on screen to tell a story. So I guess for 10 years, I kind of lived in my imagination, but, you know, working with clients and things like that. And you were given a brief and then you had to come up with these stories. So I guess that really helps. And that's probably why I like to write what they call high concept books is because I've lived in quite a conceptual world in my work. And yeah, so I, I was in advertising um, in London. I then moved to Australia and did some traveling on, along the way. And when I got to Australia, I got really into the creative department of advertising and agencies there. And then, I, you know, once I'd got a few years of copywriting under my belt, I actually started my own little copywriting agency. So I was doing loads and loads of writing. But, you know, it was all business writing. It wasn't anything that really sort of set fireworks off inside me. Um, and I guess I've, I've often daydreamed about stories. I've always loved stories in films and TV shows. And then I had and reality shows, of course. And then I just had this idea for the shelf on holiday. And I honestly, the next day after thinking about it, I got up at dawn, just started getting it down on paper and it just it just slotted in really nicely. And I've always thought, even in advertising, that if an idea you have is really simple to get down and you can see it working really quickly, it means it's a good idea. So I thought, yeah, the shelf, there's something in the shelf. Um, and so I continued doing that for just dipping my toe in and out for oh, honestly a year and a half before I decided, sorry, I decided a week before my 35th birthday that I'd take a week off work. I'd really like put my pen down and I wrote the first three chapters and the rest of the plot. And I said to myself, before my birthday, I will submit this novel to some agents and see what happens. Um, and then 15 minutes after submitting it to my lovely agent now, she replied and that was that. And it was all go. Wow, wow. Well, they say, um, and th th so for those that haven't read The Shelf, let's first of all talk about that, because it's about Amy, and she ends up on this reality show where she's literally lost on The Shelf. And it's due to a relationship, and in your book, The Couple, it's also about relationships as well. They always say, speak about what you know, write about what you know. Where were you in the relationship world when you wrote The Shelf? I was in a relationship I wasn't engaged or anything but I, I think I've been going out with my now husband for maybe about a year 
yeah definitely write about what you know and that's what I do which is why I write about relationships and failed relationships because I've got lots of experience with that um my relationship with the guy I was with when I wrote the shelf did actually last well it has done up until now we'll see um and yeah we ended up getting married so that was a, a happy ending for us yeah definitely right when you know you know I, when I wrote the shelf I had had lots of different relationship experiences and my belt I guess you know in my 20s I was a serial monogamist and I used to jump from relationship to relationship because I was always too terrified of being single in case it made maybe out to be some kind of losers like oh why does no one want you and stuff and then I ended up marrying the wrong guy for the wrong reasons and that was because everyone else was getting married around me and uh, we actually got we actually separated after six months of the marriage um I can laugh about it now I was not laughing about it at the time um and yeah I guess you know villains like Jamie who's um Amy's uh boyfriend slash ex-boyfriend on the shelf um He's definitely a Frankenstein of all of my worst relationships um, or, or the, the worst men in my life. Their worst qualities, if you like. Yeah, I, I definitely can only write about what I know and I, I know about that. It's very interesting that you say about, you know, you were one of the last people uh, to get married and everyone is married around you. And I'm definitely noticing that age 28 now that all my friends are in serious, serious relationships or married with kids now. And I'm like... Mm -hmm. Hi, I've got a career. Um, yeah, I've got a job. Uh, and, and then everyone goes, so, how, you know, how's dating? I'm going, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Well, I've been there. I've been there. But it's look, panic you showed me that there's a way out of it. You showed me that you can get married at the end and therefore, who cares what goes on in these two years? I know. I think people just need to live by their own time frame and not by the time frame of other people. You know, if someone wants to get married at 28, go for it. But um, I have to say that I, I don't regret my first marriage at all. I think it um, gave me lots of material for a start, which is wonderful. Well, exactly. I was um, going to say, that's but... the best thing about it, or isn't it? It's those life yeah. experiences that makes you a successful yeah, maybe author that you Yeah, I dedicate my next book to my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, but, you know, definitely, you know, I got I, my second marriage to my husband, now Chris. Um, I was 36, 35. I forget my age nowadays that is absolutely fine too like I you know and if I'd been older that would have also been fine I just think you know there, there's always a Mr. Right at the right time um so I think people should just be patient and if, if Mr. Right doesn't come along then maybe he wasn't supposed to be there at all or she so I just think especially around those late 20s early 30s it would be nice for people to be able to feel calmer about that situation and just really appreciate you know what freedoms they have in being single because when I when I did find myself divorced at 30 um you know I was a bit scared and you know I, I started to think god I've made the wrong decision I'm alone now but then very quickly I got into it and started realizing how actually fab my life was because I was so free to make any decision I wanted I was able to do what I wanted when I wanted with who I wanted and I didn't mean that sexually, by the way. I meant like going on holiday or going out for a drink. Um, and it was, yeah, it was the, such a good couple of years of my life. And I absolutely loved it. So the grass is always greener. And I guess we just shouldn't compare our lives to other people's. 100%. It's very easy to do that. I mean, I still compare my life to other people's. It's very hard to switch that off. A hundred percent agree with you. And, you know, even going out for dinner alone, there's something really embracing about going out for dinner alone 
with a book and just sitting and relaxing. You don't necessarily need someone there. I always think this, that, you know, I'm not to wait for someone to go to the toilet. I'm not to worry about splitting the bill or what's going on with the bill. You've just got your own company. Stay there for a couple of hours. And you'll always bump into people you know as well. If you go to a local restaurant, you'll always bump into people you know. They'll all come and chat to you. And then you have a really nice evening and you did it all yourself. It's liberating. It really is. I get the impression from what I just see on social media and news sites and stuff that more and more people are more comfortable doing that. And I think more and more people are happily single for longer and are waiting to settle down because, you know, you do have the rest of your life for that. Um, and I feel like the generation below me are very happy to do that. And don't, I don't think they, I get the sense they don't feel the same pressure that perhaps my generation did or the generations before me did to sort of get married, have kids and stuff. And I think that's really wonderful. Can I tell you a secret? Sure. You mentioned social media and people being liberated and you see it all there. Mm. It's all attention seeking. It's all for the Instagram likes. I do this on purpose. <laughs> I'll go out for dinner alone, get the waiter to take a picture of me, upload it, make everyone feel sorry for me. Hope that someone's going to go, right, I've got a girl for you. And then my mum tells me, and then my mum goes, yeah, Johnny, you know that post you put up where you've put the caption how you're single and blah, blah, blah. It made me really upset. Can you delete it? And I'm like, mum, it's for the likes. And then I have to go and delete it. <laughs> That's hysterical. I love how your mum is... Um is trying to do that to you even on social media and not even once I, I we spoke about it on the phone and then i saw her and she said have you deleted the comment yet it really upset me so i've deleted it now oh. and i'm like mum i'm trying well, to get some followers mom. like you, you know i don't care about me i care about my followers and i need more so uh <laughs> sorry but uh if i'm using my life you know what i think is going to get you some more followers is your mum you need well... to get her on your grid well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's all content, you know. This is all content. You all do it for the, you do it for the laugh. Um, let's talk about the couple. Let's talk about the couple yeah. now. It's set on a dating app, uh, Office, and the Office is called Slide. The dating app is called Slide. Let's start with Slide as the backdrop to what the couple is all about. So that Slide is a dating app for uh, strings-free sex. That's where our hero Millie works. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a creative director, and at Slide, she meets Ben, our love interest, who joins, and he's kind of a bit of a hot mess, charming, gorgeous, but sort of equally chaotic and unfiltered. They meet working on a project that is being launched by Slide, which is a pill called oxytoxin. And oxytoxin is like a hormone therapy that stops you from falling in love forever. So it stops people having that humiliation of unrequited love or just the heartbreak if they've been broken up with, just feeling distracted from what they really want to achieve in life, like your career or your friends or your hobbies. Um, so really it stops you it stops you falling head over heels and messing your life life up for someone else. Um, it doesn't stop sexual desire or attraction, so you can still have that strings-free sex. And that's kind of why Slide is doing it, because they want more and more people to, they want to make sure 100% of the world don't have romantic relationships, which is actually quite easy, because the world in which Slide, Millie and Ben exists is um, an alternate reality where people don't have romantic relationships. Everyone is single and it's normal to be single. So when I wrote the couple, I wanted to switch that narrative just to make single the norm. And so explore, you know, how great it is to be unattached. And also just to point a finger at people who either explicitly or inadvertently single shame people. And, you know, asks, I guess it asks the question, like why, why does everyone want to be in a couple? Or why do people expect people to want to be in a couple, even at any cost? And just to assume, and just so how silly it is to assume that being single makes you abnormal and that being in a relationship makes you normal and is the route to happiness. Because based on my experience, not all relationships are the route to happiness. Completely agree with you. But one relationship that is all about the happiness is Millie and Ben which you've mentioned a little bit of but can we just talk about right so right another book E.L. James obviously did Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades of Grey was yeah. all about the sex and it was like, oh, exciting and the sex and then you come along Helly Acton you released a couple you've got Millie and Ben their flirtiness their banter their flanter the text messages they send each other I've not had that in a very long time and I'll tell you that is a hundred percent more exciting than Fifty Shades of Grey. That change, Good. the excitement you get out of those messages of like, even if it's like playing hangman with someone, oh, it's just so exciting the way you wrote them. Oh, good. Well, it is based on personal experience. I'll confess, not the hangman necessarily, but you know, a secret office romance. I've had a couple in my day, and and it is exciting because you know it's. It's a little bit forbidden, it's frowned upon, and you know, it's just between you two. So I'm glad that that's kind of, I love the word flanter, by the way. I haven't heard that one before, it's brilliant. Um, I really wanted that to come through, um, and so I'm pleased it did, because I, I actually agree with you that 
that's almost more exciting than sealing the deal, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it. That's it, isn't it? It's that chase and that mm-hmm. excitement. And, and you mm-hmm. don't, and what I like as well is that you don't rush it. You know, sometimes in these books, you're getting so quick to get to the middle, to get to the climax, to get to the resolution, that little elements like that get forgotten about. And I actually think that relationship between Millie and Ben is more important than the relationship between Millie and her job and Millie and Sasha, who's her rival at the job. It's the Millie and Ben relationship which really comes to the focus. Yes, good. Well, that was definitely my intention. It was really the book was about those two and those two alone. I mean, I guess the relationship between Millie and June, that was important, her best friends. You know, I wanted to get us thinking about what happens when you have two best friends and then one of you meets someone and the other gets sort of left behind and feels that pain. Um, so I wanted to explore that a little bit in the story as well. It's always a tricky, it's always a tricky road that when you feel like you've been abandoned by your friend for someone else. And so I wanted to explore that a little bit as well. Well, that's not the only relationship that you spoke about in the book, because you are a reality TV fan like me. And so the shelf was set on a reality show. This time, you've not set it in a reality show, but you keep using Single Me Out, which I presume is like a take me out, as the backdrop to the book, where it's all about going home to watch Single Me Out again. And I was watching Single Me Out. So first of all, I want to watch Single Me Out. And second of all, I love that you've brought reality TV into it. I know, I can't help myself. What's wrong with me? I guess it's because it's the it's a zeitgeist, isn't it? I mean, there are so many reality shows at the moment and people, it does have the nation hooked and that is what people do. So while it's an alternate reality, this world, I wanted it to be relatable to. I didn't want it to be such a different world that we couldn't imagine it existing, if you know what I mean, or existing in the world. I wanted it to be almost plausible that you could have a world where being single was the norm. And so by keeping other normal elements like going home to watch a reality show that everyone else is watching. I wanted to keep that in there um, just to make just to make it not too unrelatable, if you know what I mean. A hundred percent. So you released a couple and obviously it's a mainstream book, but who are you targeting? Because what's really interesting, and as we've already kind of discussed, is that you've got an older generation that would be looking at single people being on apps, uh, just looking for sex of like, oh, but then you've got a younger generation who would be like, yeah, that's me or oh no, I wouldn't take that pill. So when you're writing it and you're in that process, who are you thinking about? Such a good question. Um, With the couple, I think the couple is definitely probably geared towards a younger audience than the shelf might have been. Just because, you know, some of the lingo that I've used and some of the mindsets and, you know, that um, the idea that being single can make you happy and, you know, feel powerful and things like that. And I think... Things like slide and apps and DM and dating and string, string free sex, I think, is more is more relevant to you know a, a younger a younger audience, N- not like a young audience at all. But you know, the shelf. Uh, I'll bring the shelf into it just because on the shelf I wanted to get quite a wide cast. You know, there were different ages going up to Kathy, who was 52, I think. So I wanted to include sort of the generation, you know, a couple of generations above me and below me. Whereas I think the couple is probably maybe a generation above me, my generation and the generations below. I I do think it's probably skewed to a younger audience than the shelf. Um, But I mean, that's just me. My um, editorial team might kill me for saying that. Or just, or just think that I've got it totally wrong. Um, but no, that that uh, that's how I view it. I, I think it's, I think it's quite contemporary and quite modern. And 
you know, my mum's read it. And, you know, she said she loved it, obviously, but I'm sure there would have been a few things in there that she didn't, couldn't quite relate to but just the, because of her age in her early 70s. But then the thing is, you haven't made it a sexual book. You know, sex is fundamental to the book and the conversations around sex, but they're very normalised. You've not made it seedy. You've not made it a raunchy book. It's still a I'm novel of relationships at the heart. <laughs> I'm really glad you said that because I wanted to, I wanted them to have that sexual tension um, and I wanted that to come through in how they talk to each other and how they interact with each other. Um, and, you know, obviously they do. Um, oh, I can't really reveal much, I guess. I don't want to give the whole book away. But um, no, I'm a massive prude, actually. So I one of the hardest things I find about writing rom-coms and women's fiction is writing sex scenes. I, I just um, I, I really struggle with it. Hopefully it didn't come across that way. No, it didn't. Honestly, it really didn't. It was so powerful the way you wrote it. Good. So that's the couple and that's the shelf. What's the next the for twenty twenty two? Have you written it yet? Because I know obviously authors write books in advance and you're promoting the couple now, but I'm sure you're already in the middle of the next book and you've forgotten about the couple anyway. <laughs> um I am not I haven't uh, I'm not in the middle of it by any means. I have I actually on Friday submitted the plot to my agent um just to give get her to give it a once over before sending it to the editorial team so yes i am working on a third book i'm afraid my lips are sealed in terms of the name of it i can reveal that it does begin with the though so that that's something um so it's the something and really what that book is going to be exploring is um learning to live with the decisions that we've made in the past um and life regrets and exploring what if we've done things differently oh i love that say it's brilliant it's what we're all thinking um what's the process then now so you've given the first draft in of just the plot and you're going to get that ticked off so what do you now do do you stop writing for a second until you get the green light or do you start writing because you're gonna have to write it anyway yeah no i'm gonna stop writing until i have a talk with um my editors to see that they're happy with the way the plot goes. I'm a very methodical um, plan writer. So I will map out all of the chapters and make sure the story completely ties together and all like little loose ends are tied up. And so I know exactly where I'm going. Um, so I'll yeah, write down how I work. So I, you know, I say there are 45 chapters, I'll write little plot summaries and what's going on in that chapter, that chapter, that chapter. I will then have a conversation with my editors if they're happy with that and then I will just start writing and go to the end. And how do you bring the characters alive for yourself? Do you have pictures of them that are mapped out or do you have like a big line of duty style notice board of pins and uh, string <laughs> drawn on? No, but I really want to and I definitely want to get that for my office because I'll feel like such a proper writer if I do that. Um, I usually actually, everything is in a big spreadsheet um, like the nerd that I am, and I will actually interview them. So I have 10 questions that I ask each character. Like, I'll have sort of your, your surface questions, like what do they look like? And often I will just, um, you know, suggest that they look like certain actors and actresses. Uh, and then I will interview them, you know, deeper questions, like what's their biggest fear? What motivates them? What, um, what makes them laugh? What do they hate? You know, sort of deeper questions just so that I know how they're going to respond in dialogue and certain scenarios um, and I also what I do is I then cross-reference them say okay so what's her arc in the story and how does it impact this character and how does it impact this character so it's quite an exploratory 
it, it is like having a big sort of board, no, line of duty board on the wall, but unfortunately it's all in a spreadsheet. Um, but I actually, I think that's, you've actually planted a seed, Johnny, and I think I might get a board this time around. I think it'll help. See, that's what I do on this podcast, Kirinsky. I, I, <laughs> I plant those seeds. Helly, I loved your book, The Couple. I can't shout about it enough. I think everyone needs to read it. But look, it's not just me that loved it. Carrie Hope Fletcher, you can see in Cinderella in the London West End, said, the concept is genius and the writing is funny and thought-provoking. She wished she wrote it. Abigail Mann, another great author, says, Helly's writing is filled with such humour and warmth. What a triumph. Helly is one of the best authors at the moment and you really do need to go by the couple and also the shelf. Please don't think that just because a book came out last year you can't read it. The shelf is such a fantastic book. If you love reality TV like me, you'll absolutely love it. You've been listening to Skiddy and Skid with me, Johnny C. If you like what we heard, please do go on Instagram. Skiddy and Skid podcast is where you can find me. All the previous episode teasers are there. We're coming up to episode 100 now. So there are so many episodes for you to listen to that touch on so many different types of insecurities, whether it's mental health, whether it's careers, whether it's just writing a book or being in a TV programme. Everyone's got a story and that's what I want to do is bring those stories out. And if you enjoyed that story, go on to Apple iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a comment. It's really important you help me build it up to make the podcast as big as possible as we reach episode 100. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.